What do you want me to give you? Guarantees? These are kids, not appliances. Life is messy. I, I, I hate messy. It's, it's, it's so messy. You know, when I was 19, Grandpa took me on a roller coaster. Oh? <laughs> up, down, up, down. Oh, what a ride. What a great story. I always wanted to go again. You know, it was just interesting to me that a ride could make me so, so frightened, so scared, so sick, so, so excited and, and so thrilled all together. Some didn't like it. They went on the merry-go-round. That just goes around, nothing. I like the roller coaster. You get more out of it. Scene from a movie, Parenthood, from uh, I don't know, eighty early eighties. You know what? Uh, life is a, life is a roller coaster. It's not a merry-go-round. But you know, so many people in life choose the merry-go-round because it's just easier and it's not a hassle and there's no stress and there's no excitement and there's no reward and uh, and that's just how life is. And we need to start teaching teaching our kids, teaching our grandkids. We need to stop trying to sugarcoat everything because life is hard life is messy life is difficult and uh it's just you got to work hard for what you what you want you have to go through adversity and you know god won't get you give you uh the the uh the riches and the and the fruits of uh of this life without preparing you for it and making you pay a price first and um i could tell stories and stories and stories and but looking back you know the the struggles that were tough and hard when I went through them and I'm sure you guys all have your own stories too they just don't ring in my memory anymore you know it's not you know it was it was life life gripping life challenging it was terrible at the time but when you look back and you say man I'm sure glad I went through that because uh, if I if I had things to do over, I would have done things differently. But if I did things differently, I wouldn't have made the mistakes that taught me all the lessons that made me the wise guy I am today. And uh, you know, we all want to we all want to say, hey, you know what? Our kids, we got to make sure our kids don't struggle. They have to struggle. They have to struggle, or they won't get anywhere. They won't be prepared when we're gone. So anyway, that's my uh, that's my that's my life lesson for this morning. As I told you at the beginning of the year. I'm going to be pushing people to be real and uh, understand how the how the world works. Hey, you know what? If uh, if your kids don't listen to the show and they need to, have them listen to the beginning every week. So anyway, uh, I also use that that uh, that 
song, uh, The Power of Gold from uh, Dan Fogelberg and Tim Weisberg uh, from I don't know how long ago it was, but you know what? It's uh, the power of gold is what we're seeing go on in, in the uh, in this country today. You know, everyone's uh, it's never been more clear to me. And it get, and the clarity becomes, you know, the sharper and sharper. I'm seeing it in 4K now. Uh, I think that's what 4K talks about, the clarity on a TV or the signal or something. I don't know. It's 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 high definition clear that this is all about money. This is all about draining the swamp. The whole impeachment thing is all about they don't want to lose their access to spend money that isn't theirs. You know what? When you're, uh, hey, let's expense this out to the company because then I don't have to pay. Then I don't have to use uh, money out of my bank account for it. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's just put this on uh, my expense account and the government pays for it. Well, the government is doesn't have any money. That's the taxpayer's money. That's our money. And you know what? For those of you, unless you're in the 47 or 48 or 51 percent of this country that doesn't pay taxes, and uh, you know, if you look at your paycheck at the end of the year and you say, "Hey, I paid in uh, $3,500 in federal income tax, and I got a $6,000 refund," you're one of those people that doesn't pay taxes. And most people go, "Well, I have taxes come out of my check every week." Well, you know what? If you've got, if you get more back at the end of the year than you paid in all year, you don't pay taxes. So. If uh, if you are paying taxes and you care, then you should want what the Trump administration is doing. And we're paying attention, paying attention. And the Democrats and the uh, the status quo uh, politicians that are been in there for years and years and years and years. You know, why would why would someone want to be a congressman for their whole freaking life? What what is so fun about it to to do that? Because they only make 172000 a year, which if you live in a high-priced area, that's not that much. Except for that's not all they make. That's not even the beginning. Because, you know, they get to expense everything everything out. And that's why they're so crazy to get rid of Trump. Because Trump is exposing all this stuff. Well, what do you mean? How can you, how can you justify spending money like this? So anyway, that's, uh, that's what brought me to the, uh, the power of gold for this morning to start it off. So I'm going to talk about everything that's going on in detail and uh, give you guys my uh, my take on it and uh, try to make things understandable for you. For those of you, those of you that go, you know, and, I, and I'm and I'm thinking about some of the clips that I have for this week. And I say, you know what? People didn't hear this because it happened in the middle of the day. So anybody with a job didn't get a chance to listen to it. And people hear little sound bites and stuff and they really don't pay attention. And some of these some of these clips I had to. I had to go back because I work. I work during the day. I get to hear all this stuff uh, in the evening, and I get to see it early in the morning when I'm uh, when I'm getting ready for work and when I'm uh, when I'm working out uh, every morning at six o'clock till seven thirty. And uh, I get to uh, and I get commentary from Don when she uh, when she hears something really good. She calls me and tells me or sends me a text. And uh, so I'm I pay it, but I pay attention. And some of these things I, I went back and hold on, hold on. Let's listen to that one again. Let's listen to that one again and start taking and say, you know what? When you absorb these things, these are big. There's some big stuff going on here. And the and the Democrats know some of the stuff that they say in front of the camera can be completely false, but they're getting stuff on TV and they can use that little clip to send out a, uh, a little clip out of context on social media. And everybody who's over 18 gets to gets a vote for that. 
everybody who's over 18 that is is gaming all day or they're uh or they're spending all their time on on uh, paying attention to sports or uh, American Idol or whatever distraction of things that that really don't make a difference to their lives, but they're entertaining. Those people, that's all. That's the whole context they get. All the whole context they get, and they know it, and they plan this out exactly right. And I can't blame them for doing that because that's a strategy. The problem is, is that. Uh, Republicans don't want to get out down in the dirt and do dirty stuff, and they need to learn how. To, hey, if you're gonna if you're gonna win against the the dirty guys, you got to get dirty yourself, and you got to take some of those strategies yourself, and you got to fight. And uh, I know Travis Allen when he was running for governor, he said exactly, hey, you know, ballot harvesting ballot harvesting should be against the should be against the law, but it's not. So as long as the Democrats are doing it, we need to do it too, but we need to do it better than them. And, uh, and, you know, Trump, Trump has been the first president that we've seen that will get in the, get in the mud and wrestle with these guys and he'll fight back and he'll, he'll do what he'll do what's right. And Hey, you know what? It's not about what's traditionally been done. It's about what's right for this country. And we'll talk about that more, but first let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, you want to talk with someone who thinks like you. So call me toll free at 855-640-2020. 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get some information, but you don't want to talk on the phone just yet, go to edhoffman.net. Click on the Summit Funding logo. It's, you got to scroll down just a little tiny bit. Click on the logo. It doesn't say click here. Just trust me. Click on there. Take you to my lending page, and it'll and you can put in as much information as you want back, and you'll and tell me how much information you tell me how much put in as much information as you want to give me, and tell me how much information you want back, and you'll hear back from either myself or one of my talented teammates, Eric Marquez, Cody Bradbury, Aaron Fredericks, or Brian Goodman, and we will help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. Uh, if there's something you want repeated also on edhoffman.net, you can click on the podcast page here. This show as well, as well as several past shows and, uh, you can download it and, uh, and listen to it on demand. You can also get the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes where you can, uh, where you can subscribe for free, have it automatically downloaded to your computer, your iPhone, your iPad, your iPod, your iWatch, your, uh, mini pad, your maxi pad, your puppy pad, uh, or anything else you can get, uh, and I know that I know it works on on uh, Droid uh, Android as well. So uh, if you got an Android, um, there's a podcast app for that. Just search the main event at Hoffman. Apparently, I'm not the only one with a show on uh, on podcast called the main event. And apparently, I'm not the only Ed Hoffman. So if you do Ed Hoffman, you're gonna get a whole bunch of people. And if you search the main event, you're gonna get a whole bunch of different shows. Um, but if you put both of them in there, my mug will pop up, and uh, then you'll know what the then you'll know what the what the face looks like behind, you know, I have perfect face for radio. Uh, I'd be on TV if, uh, if I was prettier. So, um, but Hey, it's not, uh, like judge Judy says, Hey, they don't keep me around here cause I'm beautiful. They keep me around here cause I'm smart. So, uh, so anyway, go on edhoppin.net or iTunes or SoundCloud. And you can hear that. If you, uh, follow me on, on, uh, uh Twitter, at Ed Hoffman, where I current where I tweet about current events all week long, some some weeks more than others, and uh, follow the Facebook uh, the main event Facebook main Facebook.com slash the main event Ed Hoffman. Um, I probably should have I probably should have called the 
called the show something a little bit more unique so it could stand out a little bit but hey i'm in i'm in year 13 and people just know um let me think uh is anything else i need to say no let's talk about what's going on let's talk about what's going on this week in uh in the country in the world um so the senate impeachment trial last week you know last week i'm listening to the show uh, in the car with my wife and she goes, you know what? I can't stand to listen to all this Adam Schiff stuff over and over and over and over. I said, Hey, the Democrats were the only people on T on uh, talking last week. So they had Wednesday, Thursday for, they had Tuesday to set up the rules and Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It was just, you, they were sucking all the air out of the room. Okay. Saturday, the Republicans got to have their, uh, their start. Um, so, uh, it continued this week with that. So hopefully we don't have very much Democrat stuff on this week because Don's getting a, Don's not, you know, Don's my number one fan always has been uh, even before I had a radio show, which for you guys, your wife should be your number one fan. If she's not, something's wrong. And uh, wives, if your husband's not your number one fan, then uh, something's wrong there too. So uh, take a look in the mirror and are you doing what you should be doing? So anyway, um, so start this week, hopefully can also end this week. Um, starting last Saturday, continuing Monday and Tuesday, Trump's attorneys gave their opening arguments. The focus was on pointing out how dangerous the precedent is that this impeachment is, is setting and uh, the hypocrisy of the Democrats who are supposedly obsessed with the Constitution and the rule of law. Here's uh, Jay Sekulow and Alan Dershowitz. There is no violation of law. There's no violation of the Constitution. There is a disagreement on policy decisions. So the next president, or the one after that, he or she will be held to that same standard. The criteria that have been set out are so lawless, they basically paraphrase Congresswoman Maxine Waters, who said, there is no law. Anything the House wants to do to impeach is impeachable. That's what's happened today. That places the House of Representatives above the law. We've heard much about no one's above the law. The House of Representatives is not above the law. Yeah, you know, it's, a, it's amazing now that they keep saying, hey, no one's above the law, not even the president. But Maxine Waters says, hey, whatever we say is, is, is what we can impeach for. And you know who, who is above the law? Uh, if you haven't heard uh, Hillary Clinton uh, being sued by Tulsi Gabbard, uh, the uh, Hawaii Congress lady who's uh, running for running for president, not successfully, but apparently right at the beginning, uh, Hillary went out there and said that she's that she's a Russian operative, which is not true, and uh, and that has ruined that you know that got a lot of attention, and it and she's suing her for fifty million dollars for defamation of. Uh, defamation of character or something along those lines. I don't know the exact uh, charge, but she's suing uh, Hillary civ uh, civilly for $50 million. And apparently Hillary is uh, refusing to take service of the lawsuit. And apparently um, when she, you know, she's not, she's not letting anybody near the gates of her house and uh, she's got the secret service that won't let a process server anywhere near her. Now I know that they'll get it to her at some point, but you know what? She has secret service people to keep process servers away. Uh, the law is the law. And when you're, when you're someone, when you do something wrong by somebody, they have to serve you. And we have the federal government employees 
we're paying for these people to protect Hillary Clinton from this. I, I for one think that's bull. And, uh, you know, it's, these are, these are the kind of things that if you don't pay attention, you don't know where your money's going. It, it angers me. So, uh, so, uh, I'm not be, I'm not a big fan of Alan Dershowitz cause he's a flaming Democrat, but he is a constitutional law professor at Harvard. And, uh, and even he is seeing how stupid this whole thing is and what a precedent it's, it's making. And, uh, from what I'm hearing from, uh, some other people there's apparently a lot of, a lot of millennial Democrats that are even, even, uh, some of the millennials out there, you know, that's uh 30 year olds and, uh, and maybe a little older people in their thirties. Um, you know, but they're still Democrats and they're going, what the hell is going on here? And referring to what the Democrats are doing and they're, and they're seeing through it. So hopefully, uh, November of this year, we're going to see, uh, uh, a landslide and we're going to take the house back and we're going to keep the, the Senate and the white house most importantly. So anyway, uh, those are two members of the legal te- team. The third Pat Cipollone, uh, who's Mr. Calm cool, um, played a montage of 1990s Democrats. One of them being Chuck Schumer. And I think one was, uh, Jerry Nadler and, uh, they're ranting about the impeachment of Bill Clinton. And it was uh, loaded with irony. We are permitting a constitutional constitutional coup d'etat which will haunt this body and our country forever i warn my colleagues that you will reap the bitter harvest of the unfair partisan seeds you sowed today my fear is that when a republican wins the white house democrats will demand payback you were right <laughs> but i'm sorry to say you were also prophetic yeah, the uh, that was Pat Cipollone at the end after after the uh, after Chuck Schumer says they're going to want payback. Yeah, you're right. We're, they do want it. So uh, so very very interesting stuff. Um, then there's Pam Bondi. Now this is this is the really 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 good stuff right here. Pam Bondi, former Florida Attorney General, newest member of the of the legal team. She told a story about Adam Schiff somehow do, how that Adam Schiff somehow doesn't think is relevant. One about Hunter Biden and his friend Devin Archer and Chris Hines. Yes, that's uh, John Kerry's stepson. He's married to uh, Teresa Hines, the heir of the Hines ketchup fortune, and uh, her son, Chris Hines, and how they coincidentally got involved with Burisma right after Joe Biden became the U.S. government's point person on Ukraine. Um, it starts like this. Hunter, Hunter and Devin and Chris Hines... Uh, started an investment firm together in 2013. Burisma was not a client of theirs. In fact, Burisma's assets were frozen by the British government. It's corrupt oligarch. So wait, hold on, let me say that again. In fact, Burisma's assets were being frozen by the British government. Its corrupt oligarch owner had fled the country and needed a billion dollar loan to stay afloat. A billion dollar loan to stay afloat. Sounds like they need some help from the United States. And I wonder who they're going to call. Public records show... That April 16th, 2014, Devin Archer meets with Vice President Biden at the White House. Just two days later, on April 18th, 2014, is when Hunter Biden quietly joins Burisma, according to public reporting. Remember, this is just one month after the United Kingdom Serious Fraud Office opened a money laundering case into Burisma, Hunter Biden joins the board. 
Hunter Biden's decision to join Burisma raised flags almost immediately. One article from May 2014 stated, the appointment of Joe Biden's son to the board of Ukrainian gas firm Burisma has raised eyebrows the world over. Even an outlet with bias for Democrats pointed out Hunter Biden's activities created a conflict of interest for Joe Biden. Even Chris Hines, Hunter Biden's own business partner, had grave concerns. He thought that working with Burisma was unacceptable. This is Chris Hines. He was worried about the corruption, the geopolitical risk, and how bad it would look. So he wisely distances himself from Hunter Biden and Devin Archer's appointments to Burisma. He went so far as to send an email to senior State Department officials about this issue. This is Chris Hines. He wrote, apparently, Devin and Hunter have joined the board of Burisma, and a press release went out today. I can't speak to why they decided to, but there is no investment by our firm in their company. What did Hunter Biden do? He stayed on the board. Yep, exactly. So let me let me repeat this time frame. So a month after the uh, the British government uh, freezes all of Burisma's assets, their corrupt uh, their corrupt um, uh, their corruption department uh, freezes their assets because they know they're suggesting that they're money laundering. You know what money laundering is? That's like uh, that's like. Uh, Joe Biden goes over there and we give them a billion and a half dollars or a billion dollars to to the Ukraine and they filter it through. They filter some of it back to, hey, I'm going to give you a billion dollars, but I want half of it. I want half of it. I'll get you the money, but you need to give me half of it. And uh, how can we do that without without getting caught? Well, we're going to we're going to run it through Burisma and we'll we'll uh, have them put uh, uh, your son on there and we'll filter money back through it to you. Okay, hey Hunter, I'm gonna f- filter a million dollars a year through your through your account. You can keep uh, 25% of it. The rest goes back to me. Um, you know what? That's kind of far fetched, Ed. No, that's exactly what's happening. So, uh, so they 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 see they uh, freeze the assets of Burisma. Then April 16th, uh, Devin Archer, Hunter Biden's partner, goes and meets with Joe Biden. Two days later, they put Hunter Biden on the board of Burisma, April 18th. And then uh, 25 days later, Chris Hines says, hey, apparently Devin and Archer both joined the board of Burisma. And a press release went out today. I can't speak to why they decided to, but there was no investment by our firm in their company. This is big stuff. This isn't somebody suggesting it or making it up. This is the truth. And Pam, Pam Bondi pointed out, even the media took notice after and asked Obama's press secretary. The same day, an ABC News reporter asked Obama White House Press Secretary Jay Carney about it. Here's what happened. Hunter Biden has now taken a position with the largest oil and gas company, holding company in Ukraine. Is there any concern about at least the appearance of a uh, of a conflict there? See the vice president. I would refer you uh, to the vice president's office. I saw those reports. Hunter Biden and other uh, members of the Biden family are obviously private citizens and. Uh, where they work is not 
uh, does not reflect an endorsement by the administration uh, or by the vice president or president, but I would refer you to the vice president's office. See, most people didn't see this because they were working. And most people, and I'll guarantee you that, you know, those press, those press uh, uh, conferences with, uh, with, uh, the, with the press secretary when they used to happen all the time, those happen about 9 o'clock in the morning our time. And people are leaving for work, and they're about noon on the East Coast. Most people don't see them. And if CNN and PMS, NBC aren't reporting it, no one else is seeing it either. And they're not paying attention to this stuff, but it's happening. It's happening. Hey, I'm all out of time for uh, this half of the main event, so stay tuned for five minutes of traffic, weather, sports, and commercials, and I'll be right back to continue this good stuff. Welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. I don't talk a lot about uh, real estate and finance on the radio because if you're not in the market for it, it's probably boring. But if you listen to my show and you think like me and you're considering buying a piece of property or refinancing one you already have or looking into that reverse mortgage thing, hey, I, I want to know what the deal is. People are talking about that. Call me toll-free at 855-640-2020, 855-640-2020. Or if you don't want to talk on the phone, go to edhoffman.net, click on the Summit Funding logo, and let's let's uh, let's trade little electronic pulses there. Tell me how much information you want and give me as much information as you want me to have, and we'll uh, we'll talk on the electronic way until uh, till it's time to start t- uh, talking verbally. Um, so in the first half, I was talking about the uh, the – the uh, exposure that the Republicans are making on the Democrats and how things are, how things are going down and, and why anything that Trump was doing has nothing to do with whether Biden is running, running for running, running for president against him in reelection. This is what we want the president to do. This is exactly what we want the president to do. Um, And, and this is what we should be having all of our Congress people and our senators do. They should be concerned about this except for that power of gold thing, that money tree thing that uh, grows in Washington, D.C., that, that we put the leaves on every April 15th and all year, all year during the year as we're, as we're paying our taxes. And, of course, for some of you, you get it all back at the end of the year. But for those of us that are paying into the, to the tax pool, all the leaves on the money tree are, belong to us. That's why they're not making a big deal out of this. So uh, my final clip from the Trump legal team, uh, my personal favorite, uh, well, one of my favorites, Alan Dershowitz, on two key elements of the, of, uh, of the crime, of a crime is intent and motive. Manager Schiff confused my argument when he talked about intent and motive. You've said I'm not a constitutional law, but you admitted I'm a criminal lawyer. And I've taught criminal law for 50 years at Harvard. And there's an enormous distinction between intent and motive. Somebody shoots somebody, the intent is that when you pull the trigger, you know a bullet will leave and will hit somebody and may kill them. That is the intent to kill. Motive can be revenge, it could be money. It almost never is taken into consideration except in extreme cases. There are cases where motive counts. But let's consider a hypothetical growing out of the situation that we've discussed. Let's assume that President Obama uh, had been told by his advisors that it really is important to send lethal weapons to the Ukraine. But then he gets a call from his pollster and his political advisor who says, we know it's in the national interest to send lethal weapons to the Ukraine, 
But we're telling you that the left wing of your party is really going to give you a hard time if you start selling lethal weapons and getting into a lethal war potentially with Russia. Would anybody here suggest that was impeachable? Or let's assume President Obama said, I promised to bomb Syria if they had chemical weapons, but I'm now told by my pollsters that bombing Syria would hurt my electoral chances. Certainly not impeachable at all. So let me apply that to the current situation. As you know, I said previously, there are three levels of possible uh, motive. One is the motive is pure. Only interest is in the way what's good for the country. In the real world, that rarely happens. The other one is the motive is completely corrupt. I want money, kickback. But then there's the third one that's so complicated and that's often misunderstood. When you have a mixed motive, a motive in which you think you're doing good for the country, but you're also doing good for yourself. You're doing good for me, you're doing good for thee, you're doing good and you all together put it in a bundle in which you're satisfied that you're doing absolutely the right thing. Let me give you a perfect example of that from the case. The argument has been made that the President of the United States only became interested in corruption when he learned that uh, Joe Biden was running for uh, a president. Let's assume, hypothetically, that the President was in his second term. And he said to himself, you know, Joe Biden's running for president. I really should now get concerned about whether his son is corrupt because he's not only a candidate and he's not running against me, I'm finished with my term, but he could be the president of the United States. And if he's the president of the United States and he has a corrupt son, the fact that he's announced his candidacy is a very good reason for upping the interest in his son. If he wasn't running for president, he's a has-been. He's the former vice president of the United States. Okay, big deal. But if he's running for president, that's an enormous big deal. So the difference the House managers would make is whether the president's in his first term or his second term, whether he's running for re-election or not running for re-election. I think they would have to concede that he was not running for re-election. This would not be a corrupt motive or it would be a mixed motive, but leaning on the side of national interest. If he is running for re-election, suddenly that turns it into an impeachable Thank you. Thank, Thank you, counsel. Yeah, he ran out of time. It probably could have gone on another another couple of minutes. <clears throat> but that's really, you know, what when he says, hey, is it important that we know whether Biden has a corrupt son? I don't really think that's the question. The question is, is Joe Biden corrupt? And did he use his son in order to launder money through a out-of-our-taxpayer fund? Did he take a billion dollars out of our taxpayer fund? And if you remember the the clip last uh, last week, um, with Obama's full knowledge of it, so he he's he's uh, he's uh, embezzling money out of our taxpayer fund, your money and my money, sending it over to uh, to Ukraine in exchange for we're laundering it back through through his son. Is that is that important? Is that is that important for people to know before they vote to to uh, to elect this guy? Do you think the Democrats should know? He's the front runner. He's the front runner nationally. I think maybe by, uh, Bernie Sanders is uh, is out uh, socializing him uh, now, but he's the front runner because everyone else is 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 crazier than him. He's just senile. He's not as crazy. He's just not very smart. So, is it important that we know that he's corrupt? I think so. 
I think it's I think it's huge. So uh, so that's that's the real question. And you know what? Uh, so that was Monday, Saturday, Monday, Tuesday, uh, Wednesday, and Thursday. They had 16 hours of everybody getting to being able to ask questions and people having to answer. The legal team having to answer. So all the centers got to put in questions. Um, and apparently, I don't know if this was intentional or if this is supposed to be that way, because you'll you'll notice that when the trial was in the house, Adam Schiff and Jerry Nadler made the rules, whether it's the Intelligence Committee or the Judiciary Committee. So, and with Nancy Pelosi, they made the rules. Nobody could overcome it. They didn't let uh, Republicans call any witnesses. And if and if uh, they asked a question of the Democrats' witnesses that that Schiff didn't think was okay, he said, no, you don't have to answer that question. They had all the rules. They controlled everything. They called all the witnesses. They called all the shots. Now it's in the Senate. We control the Senate. The Republicans control the Senate. They're they're trying to be as fair as they can, but it's really not fair to the Democrats saying they're not being fair. Well, the the they're saying the Republicans aren't being fair, but the Democrats started this thing and they weren't fair to the Republicans, and now now they want to have a uh, chance to have a second bite of the apple. They want to have they want to be able to bring on more witnesses that they didn't take the time to to call in the, when they were in control. So, uh, so all these all these questions are going on, but now you have Chief Chief Justice John Roberts acting as the judge, which I don't I think he's supposed to be there for just legal uh, legal advice. Um, I think the 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 uh, Republican senators should be in charge of this, and uh, and one thing in particular, and you know, and if you remember Chief Justice John Roberts, he might be a smart guy, but he's weak. He's weak because we could have got rid of Obamacare, and instead of right before the 2012 election, he said, "Hey, this this kind of thing is is better uh, better taken care of at the ballot box," and he and he and his write up of. Well, it's really a tax. It's not really a we're not we're not forcing people to buy something that they shouldn't have to buy. It's really just we're taxing people. And then he said, and then in his in his comments said, this really should be taken up at the ballot box. We could have we could have put a lid on that thing while it was early enough to to stop it before it can before it changed the whole uh, healthcare system. But uh, so he's a little bit in the weak. He's a he's a weak suck. That's what he is. But uh, um. Senator Rand Paul wanted to ask a question, and uh, uh, John Roberts said, "No, you can't ask this question." And uh, so Senator uh, Rand Paul, who's a libertarian, uh, he tweeted out his his question. He goes, "My question today is about whether or not individuals who were holdovers from the Obama National Security Council and Democrat partisans conspired with Schiff staffers to plot impeaching the president before there were formal impeachment proceedings." Um, and then he he tweeted out tweeted out later. Are you aware that House Intelligence Committee staffer Sean Misko had a close relationship with Eric Ciaramella Ciaramella? Well, the national security and there's there's a talk that Eric Ciaramella is the whistleblower. Um, and are you aware? And are you aware? And how do you respond to reports that Ciaramella and Misko may have worked together to plot impeaching the president before there were formal House impeachment proceedings? Um, my question is not about the whistleblower as I have no independent information on his identity. My question is about the actions of known Obama partisans with the National Security Council and House staff and how they are reported to have conspired before impeachment proceedings had even begun. This is important stuff. And for some reason, John Roberts wouldn't let it be asked. I think that's bull. 
I think that's bull. Hey, who's hiding stuff? Is it the Republicans or is it the Democrats? And what? And what? Why is Chief Justice taking a stand on that? I think it's an issue. And uh, you know, and I'll tell you, I'm torn about whether whether the uh, whether I'm for the Republicans saying, "Hey, we're not letting any more witnesses on, and let's vote on the articles of impeachment and dismissing this thing right now." And being done with it, I'd like to see it be done. On the other hand, by not calling witnesses, by not calling witnesses, that keeps Joe Biden and Hunter Biden and the whistleblower and Adam Schiff from having to testify and have the Republicans question them in front of everybody. And uh, and I think I think the process of those four people, there's going to be people go to jail for that. But the Democrats are pushing it. Pushing it because they want John Bolton to uh, to testify. He's their he's their uh, their star witness that because of things that he wrote in his book that coincidentally just coincidentally got leaked out to the New York Times on Monday. So uh, so as we're recording, the the senators are finally deciding if they want witnesses or not. Um, I was watching it while we were prepping, and uh, more of the same stupid stuff on the microphones. But at some point today, they're gonna they're going to vote on that. Um, if 51 are in favor, they'll take specific votes on who to call for testimony. Um, it, and as a Thursday night, it didn't look like there were, it looked like there weren't 51 votes in favor of it so that we won't have witnesses, but anything can change. Anything can change. So, um, if they do have it, if the motion fails and they move in to vote on the, so the question I have is if they're going to vote on who to call for testimony, why is there a vote? Why is there a vote? Hey, you guys want to call Bolton? You guys want to call whoever? We're going to call these people. No problem. I think we should call those people. But I know the country is kind of burnt out on this whole thing. So uh, so let's see here. I lose my place in my notes. So as you've been hearing all week, number one, number one on the Democrats' witness list is uh, former National Security Advisor uh, John Bolton. Uh, thanks to his book manuscript, parts of which were mysteriously leaked Monday to the New York Times, um, as I said, what a coincidence. So what exactly is in the book that has yet to even be published? Here's what the Times reported. Uh, the number one claim, President Trump told Bolton in August that he wanted to continue freezing $391 million in security assistance to Ukraine until officials there helped with investigations into the Bidens. I think that's completely reasonable. Even if, whether it's true or not, I don't know. Or whether he even said it or not. Um, but I think it's completely reasonable for reasons that we just discussed. Uh, claim number two, speaking privately to Bolton, Secretary of State Pompeo, so Pompeo and uh, Secretary of State Pompeo is at, at dinner with Bolton. He says that Pompeo acknowledged that Rudy Giuliani may have been acting on behalf of other clients, like sleazy Ukraine, Ukrainian Les Parnas, by telling the president that the ambassador to Ukraine, Marie Ivanovich, was corrupt. That's what led to this dinner conversation between Parnas and the president, which Parnas secretly recorded so he could use it to get immunity. Yeah, and she's basically walking around telling everybody, wait, he's going to get impeached. Uh, just wait. I mean, it's, uh, it's incredible. Get rid of her. Get her out tomorrow. I don't care. Get her out tomorrow. Take her out. Okay? Excellent. Do it. Okay, so is that is that a problem? Because Obama came into office and he fired all the ambassadors that were from George Bush. The, the challenge for Donald Trump is he didn't come from the political arena. 
and he's a business guy. And when you when you merge a company with another company, if you if you pick up if you if you buy another company, you don't go in and fire all the management right off the top. You go in there and you you have an incubation period where you're finding out who's salvageable and who's not, who's who's uh, going to be loyal to you and who's not, and then you then you make changes as you go because you don't want the company to shut down. So he goes into the White House and doesn't fire everybody because he has no knowledge of the, the workings of the White House yet. He just got there, and he has no he doesn't have any uh, he doesn't have as much insight into the uh, into the the workings of the ambassador system and all that stuff because he doesn't have very many political people insiders that are helping him because the political insiders didn't want him to be in there. American people did. So, you know, you hear what you hear what's going on and they're saying, Hey, uh, uh, Yanov, Yovanovich is over there talking, talking smack behind your back. And he goes, get rid of her. He made a quick decision. Hey, you know, most people don't have the guts to make a decision like, well, I don't, I don't really want to take this guy's word. You know what? Hey, if, if there's if there's someone who's potentially bad, get rid of him. Bolton claimed number three. After Trump's July phone call with President Zelensky, Bolton told Attorney General Barr that he was concerned Giuliani was pursuing a shadow Ukraine policy on behalf of his private clients like Parnas. Bolton says he's the one who told Barr about the call, which Justice Department denies. They said uh, they have said Barr didn't learn about until mid until mid mid August. Uh who cares? Okay, uh, the la- the Bolton claim number uh, four, uh, Chief of Justice Mick Mulvaney was president was present for a phone call with Trump and Giuliani discussing firing Ambassador Yovanovitch. Mul- Mulvaney has told associates he would always step away when the president spoke with his lawyer to protect their attorney cl- his attorney client privilege. Oh my God, this is so damning. Who cares? Who cares about any of this stuff? It, it's it's non issues. And uh, speaking on the trial on Tuesday, Alan Dershowitz said what most of us were thinking, so what? If a president, any president, were to have done what the Times reported about the contact of the Bolton manuscript, that would not constitute an impeachable offense. Let me repeat, nothing in the Bolton revelations, even if true, would rise to the level of an abuse of power or an impeachable offense. So again, none of this stuff matters. What Trump was doing is the right thing for the country, and uh, and the the Repu- the Democrats are just looking for a way. They're they've been trying to impeach before he even was inaugurated. And uh, hey, impeach forty five, impeach forty five. So anyway, so let's uh, that's that's all I'm going to talk about about the impeachment right now. But uh, let's talk about uh, the the Democrat race uh, with Bernie Sanders clearly winning the battle for top socialist in the race, and the Iowa caucus coming up uh, this uh, this next Monday. It's time for Elizabeth Warren to pull out all the stops and show voters she can be just as crazy as Bernie, if not crazier. Speaking at an Iowa town hall Sunday. Warren was asked how how to address the lack of LGBTQ history and sex education in public schools. Really? You know what? The LGBT crowd uh, represents about 0.0249% of this country, and it's all that's getting rubbed in our noses. You can't go to the movies now now without seeing seeing uh, uh, an advertisement that includes two guys kissing. And you know, me as a straight guy... I don't like it. And I certainly wouldn't want my kids are my kids are adults now, but I certainly don't want 
them teaching my grandkids in school about alternative sex stuff, you know, at six years old. So anyway, it starts with Secretary of Education. Uh, Warren said, one, one who has the right standards, she'll, she'll have one who has the right standards. And who's going to pick that Secretary of Education? A nine-year-old transgender child that she met. I'm going to have a Secretary of Education that this young trans person interviews on my behalf. And only if this person believes that our secretary or secretary of education nominee is someone who is committed to creating a welcoming environment, a safe environment, and a full educational curriculum for everyone, will that person actually be advanced to be secretary of education? Do you like that? Let's do that. Do you like that? I think that's total BS. You know, a nine-year-old trans person, wait, at nine years old, you know you that you're that you're a boy in a girl's body or a girl in a boy's body at nine years old. How do, how does anybody even know that? I mean, I think I think half the people that are that are bisexual today, uh, you know, with all the all the uh, social media stuff and social pressure, you know, what if you haven't lost your virginity by thirteen, well, you so well, you got to be questioning. Maybe you're gay. You know what? Some people don't get sexually active till they're seventeen or eighteen. It's okay. That's what's wrong with our country, folks. This is where it's going. And uh, so that's how she's going to ruin your kids' lives before they even start kindergarten. Uh, what about when it's time for college? If you already sent your kids to college, does her free college plan give you money back? Hi. Hello. Uh, I just want to ask one question. My daughter's getting out of school. I've saved all my money. She doesn't have any school money. Why well, gotta get my money back? So you're going to pay for people who didn't save any money, and those of us that did the right thing get screwed. Of course we did. My buddy had fun, bought a car, went on vacations, I saved my money. He made more than I did. But I worked a double shift, worked extra. My daughter's bucks is 10. So you're laughing. Yeah, that's exactly what you're doing. We did the right thing, and we get screwed. That's all right. This, this is the problem. If you, I know the the audio was kind of kind of scratchy at the beginning of that. So this guy encounters uh, uh encounters uh Elizabeth Warren at a town hall and says, "Wait a minute, what about those of us that paid for our kids to go to college? I I worked double shifts, I saved my money, and and I paid my daughter's way through college. My neighbor who uh, who makes more money than me, he went on vacations, he bought boats, he did this and did that." And he didn't have the money to send his kid to college, so he used student loans, and you're going to forgive him. You're going to reward him for doing the wrong thing and not being responsible for his kids and taking out student loans, and then you're going to just wipe that away. So we, so the people that do the right thing get screwed, and everybody else gets, oh, we can't have people uh, loaded up with student loans. Well, maybe they didn't need to go to college then. Maybe they should have worked their way. Maybe the parents should have done done something, or maybe they didn't need college education to make money. It brings me. It brings me. It makes me remember uh, a issue issue with uh, that I went toe to toe with GMAC back in 2011, and uh, I'll try to make it fast. Cause I only have two minutes left. Um, I leased a, a 2008 Cadillac XLRV for my wife in 2008, and we did like a four year lease. And, and I used to buy all my cars that way because the difference between a lease and a, and a purchase is purchase, you put up your down payment and then you pay all your payments. And then at the end of it, you have the car with a lease. 
you pay all your payments up front and at the end there's a residual. So then you put your down payment up at the end. And typically you, st you go in with not very much money, you make your payments. And at the end of the lease, uh, you, you pay cash or you buy it out or you finance the balance. So in this case, and typically the car is worth more than what the residual, uh, pay, well, the residual amount is, Hey, usually it's, Hey, your residual is 20,000 bucks in the house and the car is worth 28. Uh, in this case, because of the economy, you know, the, that car was a hundred thousand dollar car. And at the end, the residual is like 56,000, but because the economy, people weren't buying high end cars like that because the, they all just lost their houses and their jobs and all that stuff. Um, the actual blue book value on it was about 42,000. So I said, Hey, I'm going to turn the car back in. I'm going to wait for you to safety check it and put it back on the lot. And then I'll, then I'll, as soon as it does that, I'm going to buy it. And they try to tell me, Hey, you can't buy it because you have a contract to buy it for 46,000. You can't, I said, so what you're telling me is that anybody in the whole country that can qualify to buy that thing for blue book value of 42,000 is allowed to buy that thing. Cause you can't sell it for more than that, except for me. And I said, is that how you treat your clients that do the right thing that, that pay their bills on time? Because I know what you're doing to your, to your mortgage clients when they, when they're letting their house payments go back, you're relieving them. You're doing short sales and letting them walk away from it. And you're, and you're rewarding them for bad behavior. And for me, you're going to screw me out of $14,000 and discriminate against me. As soon as I use the word discrimination and mention I had a radio show, the next morning I get a call from some lady at Kansas city. It says, Mr. Hoffman, this is such and such from Kansas city, GM, uh, GMA, GMAC. We've already talked to uh, the Cadillac dealer, and then we're going to go ahead and sell you that car for the blue book value of $42,412, whatever it was. The guy at the dealer said I made uh, GMAC history because they've never done that. Hey, anyway, I'm all out of time for this episode of the main event. Uh, thanks for listening. My name's Ed Hoffman. I'll be back again with you next week. The opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Summit Funding Incorporated. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921, California DRE ID number 1012658, Arizona MLO license number 0926439, Branch NMLS ID number 1841782, Summit Funding Incorporated NMLS ID number 3199, Arizona license number 0925837, Equal Housing Opportunity.